0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 803 of Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening into Monday morning. And it is officially Lottery Week. As you're listening to this, the Atlanta Hawks will be back in the news for a basketball reason later this week when Thursday night the NBA Draft Lottery is finally going to happen. It's been a long time. We've been waiting for a long time. And after this actually happens, we'll be waiting a long time until the actual draft arrives. But still, I will not let that sort of run on the parade this week. And uh, there is a real live news event for basketball reasons for the Hawks in a few days. So we we are getting to that, I promise. And of course, we'll have plenty of coverage before and after, and honestly, I'll have a reaction Thursday night after it happens, and then more on Friday, talking about options, et cetera, as we uh, sort of sprint to the finish line with regard to the draft in a couple months' time. And with all that said, please subscribe to the podcast. More is coming on that. Now, as you probably saw, or hopefully saw, um, on Friday into Saturday morning, we had a visit from the great Ben Ladner of the Step Back and the Read and React podcast. We had a lot of fun talking about the Eastern Conference, and I had planned Yes, plan to have a guest with me to talk about the West today, but this is why I don't advertise guests. Sometimes things happen and they don't work out, but uh, here I am talking about the West myself. And uh, we'll keep it a little bit shorter on this on this particular podcast. But again, please go back and listen to the show that I did with Ben Ladner on Friday into Saturday. And the uh, playoffs are happening on Monday afternoon, by the way. Afternoon basketball is going to be very, very strange. And honestly, everything is really weird with the playoffs this year. One of the things that I want to make sure I remind myself of as much as everybody else is that there's no home court advantage this time around, and that kind of messes with the normal flow of playoff series. Like, normally, if you feel like a team's going to blow the other team out, you might you might say X team in five, and uh, they finish it off on their home court. Uh, same thing if you want to show some respect to an underdog. Maybe you say that it takes uh, the higher-seeded team back to seven because they don't want to finish them off on, their, on the road, et cetera, et cetera. This time around, there is none of that in play which uh, messes with my brain. I know, I'm sure, for everybody else, it's just kind of weird. And uh, you might see more shorter series, maybe longer series. I'm not really sure how it's going to go, frankly. And uh, that's just some of the intrigue this time around. So with all that said, I will dive into the four first-round series in the West, and then we'll go a little bit beyond that to later in the podcast. First up, with all that, is the Lakers and the Blazers, number one versus number eight. And uh, let's up on Twitter, actually, on Sunday. And I think uh, I've been sort of talking about it a little bit. Already in the past, I visited with Zach Hood on his brand new podcast. It'll be out very soon, hopefully, um, about this as well. But in general, I don't really understand the concept of of this one repetitive statement everyone seems to be making about the Blazers. Uh, People are always saying the Blazers would have been like a four or five seed this year, if not for the injury to Nurkic in particular. And I don't really see that necessarily. Now, obviously Nurkic's absence is huge, but Portland still has a big-time wing problem, and they were going to have that either way. Now, Trevor Ariza would help. He's not coming, so talking about just the actual quality of the team right now, there's been a lot of talk about about this Blazers team being one of the best eight seeds ever and all this stuff, and I guess that could be possible, but frankly, I don't really see it that way with all respect to Dame and what they've been able to do so far. like I know Carmelo Anthony's been pretty solid in the bubble, and I think he obviously looks like he's he's in good shape. He's engaged, and shouts to him for making some of us look bad that thought he might have been just done. Um, Melo is not done. He's definitely a contributor still at the NBA level, but... If he's your starting and really only small forward, that does not really bode well for you, I don't think, in a matchup against the Lakers and beyond that, because they don't have anybody to guard LeBron James. Uh, No one does, but they have really nobody to even try to guard LeBron James, and I'm not sure how Portland deals with AD either. Uh, He killed Portland in the playoffs a couple years ago when he was still with the Pelicans, and they don't really have great options on Davis either, unless they play with like Wayne and Gabriel, which isn't ideal offensively. Obviously... Dame Lillard's been out of his mind, and he is really, really good, and that can't be ignored, and he's capable of winning the, winning a game or two by himself. And also, CJ C- 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 McCollum was really good on Saturday in the play-in, and he, but he has the back issue. It was kind of limited. He was not great before Saturday, so I'm not sure what you get out of CJ either. And frankly, they're just not, you know, roster-wise, Portland's defense is not good. I mean, Portland's defense was very, very bad in the seeding games, a uh, defensive rating about of, of about 120, which is, like, not playable, frankly. And honestly, it won't be that bad, I don't think, but it's not really a fluke, honestly, because, you know, Nurkic helps a lot. But if you look at the roster beyond Nurkic, there are not a lot of good defenders on this team. Like, they're pretty much below average, maybe average at most spots, Um, like Dame- not as bad as he used to be, but not very good. CJ, same thing. Not a great defender at all. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is solid. He's probably the number two guy on, on the list, but he's pretty undersized when talking about guarding you know, big physical wings. Zach Collins is not, nothing special. Mello's below average defensively. Whiteside, not, not so great. Uh, Mario Hazonia, same thing. So they have some talent, but defensively it's not great, and I'm not sure how they stop the Lakers with all that said. So obviously, LA was not great in the bubble. And the numbers don't. The numbers kind of paint the, the picture a little bit with how the Lakers did struggle when they, even when they were trying. And some of the bubble numbers are tough because teams like the Bucks and the Clippers and the Lakers had no reason to really try much of the way. But still, I don't love LA's rotation. I'll be the one to say that. Um, but I should say. To be charitable or not even charitable, he's been he's been playing very well. Kyle Kuzma was very good in the bubble, and he's probably playing the best that he's ever played in his career. I'm not a huge Kuzma fan, but if he's playing like this defensively, especially just making open shots, he makes the Lakers much better if he's if he's able to do that. And with all that said, like you know, there's a lot of like sleeper buzz about the Blazers upending the Lakers. I understand that you want to give credit to especially Dame and the way that Portland's been able to make some runs in the playoffs in recent days. But honestly, the, this, the series prices, the, um, the betting markets, et cetera, are a little bit, um, too kind, I would say to Portland right now. Like for instance, I'm looking at betonline.ag right now, but obviously my book is in the same range. Um, they have the Lakers at like minus 500. That seems very low to me. I think the Lakers won the series like 90% of the time or higher. Um, obviously if LeBron got hurt, that would change things. Or if AD was banged up, that would change things. But I think, L.A. is a pretty huge favorite, and they're not being treated as one. Obviously, they're still seen as a favorite, but uh, I think the gap between Portland and a normal 8-seed is not very big, honestly. And they are 10 games, even with so bringing things full circle is what I said at the beginning of this. There's this notion that Portland was going to chase down these other teams if they were healthy this year. You know, Even after they played well in the seeding games and won a bunch of games, they're still 10 games back of the 6-seed in the West. Now, Nurkic would have helped them, obviously, but was he going to make up 10-plus games? I would say probably not to that. Like, if you think that they, maybe they would have got to 7 and passed Dallas, and even then, that they're like 8 games beyond Dallas. So, yeah, I think Portland is a good team. In the East, they would have been a top 5, 6 team, for sure. But in the West, they're kind of appropriately placed, I think. Maybe they're better than Dallas. You could say, you could say that. But, you know, in terms of where they should have been in the pecking order, yeah, could they be on the same level as, like, current Utah? Maybe, sure, because Utah is banged up. But, you know, full course of the season, I think they would have been like a team that won somewhere in the 40s. And that is what you normally see as the eight seed in the West. So all that to say, uh, give me the Lakers and give me the Lakers pretty comfortably, even if I think Dane probably wins one or two games almost by himself because he is very capable of doing that as an awesome player. Okay, three more series to get to. But before we get to those, a word from the good folks at DoorDash. You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and somebody else is craving dessert. But fortunately, there is something for everybody on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting as DoorDash aims to keep communities safe. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Puerto Rico. And you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. Right now, our listeners can save $5 off and have zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app on the App Store and click click on the uh, promo code and then enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, into the next series we go with Clippers and Mavericks, the 2-7 matchup. Um, Obviously, the Clippers are big favorites, and uh, to sort of paint that picture a little bit, on the betting markets, the Clippers are currently minus 625 in battle line, which is actually a bigger favorite than the Lakers are over the Blazers. Interesting to note there. Um, With that said, the reason for that is that, you know, obviously Dallas is here. Uh, Dallas is not a proven playoff team right now, but they are, again, I say this, they are the best offensive rating team in NBA history. They scored 117 points per hundred possessions in the bubble, and even that was while taking it easier for a few games, they are really, really good offensively, flat out. Like, you could certainly think that they may not be the best offensive elite history, but by the numbers they are, and they are uh, by any measure elite offensively. Now, obviously that's different when you're playing as a Clippers team that's fully engaged defensively. They have a ton of options to guard Luka Doncic, from Kawhi to Paul George, etc. They also have, uh, of course, they have Porzingis, who has some edges size-wise in this series, but he, and he's been really good, by the way. But he'll have to be really good again, and obviously the Clippers can neutralize him a little bit if they were to play a certain way. So defensively, though, Dallas has below-average defensive numbers for the season, and they're one of the worst defensive teams still remaining in the playoffs, honestly. Um, they do have some guys who will play defense, like Dorian Finney-Smith is a really good defender, um, but they don't really have a no- number-two defender to deal with, like Paul George, if they put DFS on Kawhi Leonard. They could use uh, Michael K. Gilchrist, uh, old, MK, old MKG, the number two overall pick, uh, previously. And he's on the roster to kind of be that kind of specialist player. But even as an MKG supporter, I'm not sure you can play him a lot because of his offense in this series. Um, there is some intrigue with Montres Harrell coming back in the bubble. Um, I've I not played so far at, at all in Orlando. Um, obviously, the Clippers, I think, can win this series without Montres Harrell. But eventually, they have to get... What they need out of him. And he's a good player, obviously. So you might see some growing pains with Montrez at some point in the series. But even again, even without him, they have Zubach, they have other guys, they have Michael Green, they have bodies that can sort of deal with Dallas. And Dallas is not super deep in the front court. They, beyond Porzingis and Maxi Kleber, there's not a whole lot that you love in the Dallas front court. So you know, long story short, I think that Dallas gets a game or two in this series when they're cooking on offense because, like, Luca's capable of going off. Porzingis has been obviously really good at times. And uh, Tamaraway Jr. is a hot and cold kind of player offensively. He he might go crazy for a half and, and win you a game. And Rick Carlisle is very good at his job. So, Dallas, um, I think, is better than an usual seven seed. But even then, like, if you put Dallas next to Portland, I'm not sure that Dallas is any worse than Portland. It might, it might actually be better than Portland. So, I don't know. I don't really see Dallas threatening the Clippers too much, barring some weirdness from the Clippers. But they are really good offensively, and LA has some challenges to try to defend them. On the other end of the floor, though, Clippers should score pretty much at will, I would imagine. There's not a whole lot of matchup uh, nightmares for the Clippers in this series. So I think Dallas gets a game or two, but it's going to be all Clippers all the time, I would imagine, uh, in this series. Okay, one more to get to before we get to another break, and it is Nuggets and Jazz. So... This is an interesting one. It already was pretty, obviously, this is a lot closer projected than the other two that we talked about previously, but Mike Conley left the bubble this weekend for the birth of his child. He's going to miss the first two or three games, at least, of the series, and that's a huge blow for Utah, who's already playing without Bogdanovich, who was really good for them this year. So that's two of their top five or six guys, and this is a team that already had depth issues coming in. Now, they have one or two lineups that are pretty good, but without Conley, it gets a lot tougher, even with Jordan Clarkson, who actually has been playing pretty well this year. Now, Denver's defense was truly horrendous in the seeding games, like really, really bad. Now, part of that is situational in the fact that they had some injuries, they didn't have to try the whole way through, etc., but it was not great even with their best players on the floor. That's concerning, but I'm also not sure that Utah is the team to take take advantage of it because Utah's offense is not terrible by any means, but without Bogdanovich and Conley, kind of limited offensively if you are the Jazz. Now, I wouldn't say I trust Denver, I'll say that, but the Jazz... You know, lineup-wise, without Conley and Bogdanovich, is kind of just ugly. The Nuggets do have a higher upside than they usually do, though, with Michael Porter Jr. sort of unlocking things on offense. I am a Porter Jr. skeptic, probably, in terms of compared to, like, there's some thought that he's like already a star, and I wouldn't go that far. But he's obviously a really talented guy offensively. And uh, you saw what he did in the seeding games, where he was capable of exploding at any moment. And I think offensively, he raises their ceiling considerably. Uh, now, defensively, he doesn't help you. But at the same time, Utah just can't... Take advantage of that, I don't think, with our current roster. Like if Conley comes back and Utah has gotten a win or two without him, like if they split the first two games, you'll be feeling pretty good about Utah if you're a Jazz fan, because then Conley comes back at some point and you can become kind of frisky. But if they go down, if they go down two-0 without Conley, which is definitely in play, that'll be probably lights out, I'd imagine, for Utah. So it's pretty uh, pressure-packed early on in the series for the Jazz. Now, they do have Don Mitchell of course, Rudy Gobert, both of those guys are really good players. Mitchell is someone I've been a little bit skeptical of at times in the past, but he was awesome at times in the bubble. We saw him explode and win them a game late with his with his heroics offensively and against Denver, it's not like Denver has a um, you know a, a ton of options to take him out of the game. You know, and also the Jazz, I'm, uh, sorry, the Nuggets are operating shorthanded. Like they have Jokic, they have Murray. Those guys are obviously their best players. But Denver, at least for Game One, has no Will Barton and no, no Gary Harris. That makes life difficult. They have Torrey Craig, who's a good defender. They have they have MPJ. They have other options, but not, not exactly a super deep uh perimeter rotation for the Nuggets right now either. So that levels the playing field considerably. um If you're looking at the odds right now in this series, they're a lot tighter. Um, the Nuggets are minus 300 to win, which went up after the Conley news, which is not unsurprising because, again, I think Denver will be sizable favorites in the first two games without Conley. And if they just win those, the series is probably over. But if Utah gets feisty early on, maybe steals one, it gets really interesting. I would still take Denver. I can't I can't possibly pick uh, Utah. I would have taken Denver either way, frankly. They have the better roster right now. I would say that even without Conley, sorry, even even with Conley, I would say that. I think the Nuggets are the better team, but uh, it becomes a lot easier to just lean on Denver with the news that Conley, in addition to Bogdanovich, is out. And I know for everybody that listen, maybe that's like yelling about Denver being down two guys too. Um, Denver has just more depth overall than Utah does. And also, I think Jokic is the best player in the series. With all due respect to Mitchell and Gobert, Jokic is really good. So yeah, give me Denver. I don't think it's a situation where I'd be betting on them at minus 300. That's pretty lofty, but I think they are the better team and they will probably win that series. Okay, before we get to the last series and future facing predictions on the podcast, a word from the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and a personal favorite of mine in the cookies and cream flavor. Each bar is covered with 100% chocolate, and importantly, they are all soft and very easy to chew from there. It is crucial to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us who are trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat in Built Bar. The bars are all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Built Bar is even great for the keto diet right now. Built Bar is offering a free cooler with every purchase while supplies last. You can find everything you need for that deal at BuiltBar.com. Again, go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. And finally, we get to Rockets Thunder, the closely contested series that is uh, projected wise in the West uh, on the odds, the tightest series of all. Um, the Rockets are favored by about a one, minus one 150 margin right now, and uh, it was a little bit higher than that until the word broke about Russell Westbrook, who'll be out early in the series. He is he is definitely out for game one, it appears, um, and obviously the Rockets have been pretty decent with Harden on the court and Westbrook off the court, but it's the minutes that you really are hurt by when Harden leaves the floor and Westbrook is not there to sort of run the offense. So, you know, Mike D'Antoni is not shy about pushing minutes, but Houston's got to figure out how to sort of weather those six minutes a night or something like that without Harden, and if they don't have Westbrook, that can be pretty big early on in the series, especially Neither team is particularly deep in this matchup, um but Houston's even more shallow without Russ and obviously both to, you know especially Houston's willing to go super shallow. I'm not sure what Billy Donovan's going to do in the series, but alas, I do love Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I'll say that again. I love Chris Paul. And I think he's the second best player in the series. Even if Russ plays, I would rather have Chris Paul than Russell Westbrook. I said that is when the trade was uh, actually happening between these two teams. I think it was insane for Houston to attach two first round picks to take, uh, to take to send Paul for Russ. Alas, Russ is good, but there are some matchup edges for Houston in the series. I'll be fascinated to see how the Rockets handle Stephen Adams, though, especially on the glass. Like Adams is a big physical player, um, offensive rebounding wise. He's also kind of a terror, and Houston's gonna have all kinds of problems keeping him off the glass, but OKC also isn't just going to throw the ball to Adams, let him cook in the post. So it'll be a potential problem for the Rockets, but not one that they that they can't overcome. I think that OKC could actually pull this off, frankly, if they get enough from, from their supporting guys, like Darius Baisley, uh, Andre Robertson, etc. But I, I, can't, I can't pick them, I don't think. It, it'll, it'll be tight. I would not be running out to bet on Houston in this series, and it's definitely the closest matchup in the West on paper. Um, but still, I think it's pretty defensible, honestly, to pick OKC. With Russ' uncertainty and the way that Thunder have played this year, the Thunder have been really good all year long. I was in on them early on. Even I was not as positive as I should have been on Thunder. So I would pick Houston if you made me choose in seven. But I am a buyer on the Thunder, and I think it's defensible to take the Thunder in this series. So that doesn't really tell you anything. But uh, long story short, no huge value in terms of betting in in the first round, I don't think. And uh, I think I would just go with chalk, frankly, when it comes to my predictions for the first round series. Now, round two. Is interesting, but even even that, I have to go chalky in the West. I think Lakers Laker Clippers is kind of what we're all hoping to see, and I'll, I think what we're probably going to see, unless you're a fan of another team, it's one of those teams that you're going to, I would imagine, get in the NBA Finals. I think the Lakers actually have a more difficult round two matchup if Houston is at full strength. That They are the team that I think has the best chance to unseat the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, round two, the Clippers facing off against the winner of the Nuggets Jazz Series. The Clippers, if they're at full strength, are going to be a pretty huge favorite in that series. Um, I think the Lakers will be a favorite, obviously, over the Rockets as well. But if you have Harden and Westbrook cooking, uh, it gets a little bit more dicey there. And that's a matchup style thing that might be be fun. But regardless, I think the Clippers have an easier path to the Western Conference Finals. But I think, uh, ultimately, I would pick Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. And then, honestly, once they get there, if if that happens... It's a true toss-up, in my opinion. Now, I've said that other places, and people have pushed back on me. But, you know, it's not fun or sexy to, like, say that it's a toss-up. I think it's play, it pays better to have a, sh- a sort of a hot take on which side you want. And I've seen smart people that I really trust think the Lakers will be dominant in the series and the flip side with the clippers matching up they're very different teams and that'll make a lot of fun for that series. You know the Lakers have this big physical front line that can sort of maul you at the rim with physicality and offensive rebounding and just like attack, attacking the rim whereas the clippers have all of these switchable pieces. You have Kawhi who was obviously a playoff hero last year, it was incredible. PG is one of the best 15 players in the league. They have all this talent. You have a bunch of guards to rotate with with Lou and Pat Bev and etc. so I don't know that that's a fun series. I wouldn't tell you heartily who I would pick either way. Frankly, I think it's sort of a toss-up, and that I, I I reserve the right to change my mind in the bubble because the Lakers did not look great in the seeding games. But I don't worry too much about that. If they look that way again in the round one, then it starts to get a little bit more shaky. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stylistic thing that'll be a lot of fun. Kawhi versus LeBron's a lot of fun. AD and PG, like you're talking about, four of the top fifteen players in the league on the court when it matters. And a bunch of high end role players between you know Montrezl Harrell and Danny Green and you know Pat Bev and all these guys who like fit roles. Uh, Kyle Kuzma if he's playing the way that he did in the seating games, etc. So yeah, should be a lot of fun. I don't have a pick for you. I will say that as I said with Ben and with Robbie before before the seating games even started, I think the best the best bet to make the finals in the whole league is Milwaukee, uh, and that because of that, I think Milwaukee's NBA title odds are a little bit higher any other team, because I just feel more comfortable with Milwaukee making the finals than I do about either Lakers or the Clippers. I do know, at least right now, based on the future odds that I've seen, um, either Lakers or the Clippers would be favored over, over Milwaukee in a series right now, but even Vegas knows that you're building in some uh, hurdles in the way of the Lakers and Clippers. So Milwaukee has the clearest path. Um, if I had to bet on one team to win the title, it would be Milwaukee for that reason. Um, even while I would acknowledge that they're not winning more than half the time, I don't think, But I I think they have the clearest path to the finals, and as a result, if you made me choose one team to bet my money on, I would choose Milwaukee, but I wouldn't love it, and I would not recommend it necessarily, so... All that to say, hopefully, hopefully that covers the West. We'll have uh, intermittent bubble bubble thoughts as things go on. I'll be covering uh, all of the NBA playoff stuff for, for Dime, etc. And we might have some special guests talk on talk about certain things. Also, we've had a couple of really fun bubble observation posts that like sort of tie back to the Hawks. On PeachtreeCoops.com from Glenn Willis. We're all, we're all keeping an eye on the basketball. I'm enjoying the basketball. But one more time, bringing it back to the full, to full circle from the beginning of the podcast... The NBA Lottery is this week, and the Hawks will actually produce some content, which I'm looking forward to. Thanks for hanging in there the entire way the, during the offseason. If you have so far in the hiatus, we will actually have some real news to react to, and that'll be a lot of fun. So please subscribe. Yes, one more time. Please subscribe to the podcast. I will be here. Um, to, tell a friend about the show. Leave feedback if you enjoy the podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll be back at least one more time before the lottery, and then full coverage after it's over. So stay tuned for all of that.